Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, November 4th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what we're following today. Inside New Jersey's nail-biter of a gubernatorial election. Plus, Democrats' plan for drug prices. But first, America's roads getting deadlier is today's one big thing. Fatalities from motor vehicle crashes spiked in the first six months of this year. In fact, it's the biggest half-year rise on record. That's according to new data from the National Highway and Traffic Safety Administration, something Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is calling a crisis. Axios Future correspondent Brian Walsh has been looking at why this is happening. Hi, Brian. Hi. What are we seeing here, and why are car crash deaths going up so much? Well, we're clearly seeing an increase in the sheer number of people dying in the number of accidents. And in terms of why it's happening, I mean, it really comes down to driver behavior. We've seen real increases in speeding and reckless driving in drivers who are in accidents who have some kind of intoxicant drugs or alcohol in their system in distracted driving, basically everything that can make driving more dangerous. Americans have been doing more of really since the start of the pandemic, and that's continued and actually worsened into 2021. So that increase was 18 percent. Does that then mean that less people were driving last year, so there were less deaths? Actually, that's not the case. Uh, 38,680 people died on U.S. roads in 2020, which was a 7 percent increase from the year before. What's really interesting is that happened even though we were driving much, much less. And you'd think that would lead to a drop in deaths. That's not what happened. People took advantage of that time to speed more, to drive more recklessly, again, to drive often with more intoxication. The result was, even as you were driving less, the number of deaths per 1 million vehicle miles traveled, which is how they track it, went up a lot in 2020. We talk about public health problems around the pandemic. Is this seen as a public health issue? It is seen as a public health issue, but I don't think it really gets the attention it deserves, considering the sheer numbers we're talking about here. And it's a public health issue in a few ways. One, simply in the number of people who are affected, but also in the way that the public decisions we make in terms of how we design our roads, what kind of traffic enforcement we actually use, really does make a difference in terms of who will live and who will die when it comes to car crashes. So it's not inevitable because it does seem to be a sense in the U.S. of, oh, this is just you get in a car, it's dangerous. Yeah, it really does seem as if we've just kind of given up on that. Um, But no, we've seen other countries in Europe really be successful in reducing motor vehicle deaths over the last number of decades by re-engineering roads to make it harder to speed. It seems like in the U.S., it's it's in part the car culture we have here. It's in part the larger cars we have, which can be more dangerous, especially for pedestrians who are dying in very large numbers. But I think also it's the same kind of trends we're seeing around violence more generally. It's almost as if the pandemic has kind of loosened something in the American psyche, and we're just acting more recklessly kind of across the board, and we're seeing that toll on our roads. Brian Walsh is Exeus's future correspondent. Thank you, as always, Brian. Thank you. In 15 seconds, we'll be back with why the governor's race in New Jersey was so close. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Let's break down the election surprise that unfolded in New Jersey this week. Democrat Phil Murphy, the incumbent, started as the heavy favorite in Tuesday's elections, leading by double digits in the polls. But his Republican challenger, Jack Cittarelli, did so well, the election was still too close to call through much of yesterday. 
The race was finally called for Murphy last night. And to help us make sense of what happened, we've got Nancy Solomon, who covers New Jersey politics for WNYC. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Why was this election so close and have such a surprising result? I certainly didn't see it coming. You have, you know, Murphy leading by double digits for the last two months. He had an even bigger lead over the summer. And um, I think, you know, it's quite possible that Democrats saw those poll results and thought, you know, out of your busy day is do you really have to bother go vote? The guy is going to win. So why bother? And these off-year elections that New Jersey does, you know, they typically have low voter turnout. So then, you know, you get this enthusiasm gap. You had Republicans who were really excited about their candidate and really saw like an opportunity to defeat Murphy. Given everything you've said, how significant is this for New Jersey politics? I think this is huge because the narrative around Phil Murphy going into this election was that he was the most progressive governor in the country, kind of cementing this idea of New Jersey being more like a California or more like a Massachusetts. And I think this sets that back on its heels, that moderate, middle-class, largely white suburbanites still are a force in this state and, and they have to be reckoned with. So how significant is this, you think, for the rest of the country? You know, Phil Murphy rolled out an agenda over the last four years that is very, very similar to Biden's agenda, the budget bill and the infrastructure bill and everything that he's trying to do, he being Biden. Murphy did a lot of that for New Jersey. And so now I think with a glide to victory, you could have a Democratic Party feel energized and confident that you can win elections by by being progressive. And now I think legitimately there are going to be real questions about whether Murphy was a little bit out of step with your average, everyday, you know, middle-class, moderate voter in New Jersey. Nancy Solomon covers New Jersey politics for WNYC, joining us from Maplewood, New Jersey. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks. Democrats announced this week that they've reached a deal on lowering Medicare prescription drug prices. It's an issue Democrats have been running on for years, and it could now find its way into President Biden's Build Back Better social spending plan. Axios Healthcare reporter Caitlin Owens has been tracking these negotiations and is here now with what you need to know. Hey, Caitlin. Hi, Nyla. So this deal hasn't been finalized yet, but what's important about what's in it so far? There's three main pillars of this deal. So one is Medicare negotiations, which is where the government can negotiate with drug companies over the price of drugs. That was significantly moderated from what Democrats had originally proposed, but some form of Medicare negotiations, it's still in this package. Um, The second part of this is capping how much drug companies can raise their prices in a year. That is both in Medicare and in the commercial market. And then the third part is a redesign of Medicare Part D, which is the benefit that covers drugs that seniors buy at the counter. Um, And one very significant piece of that is limiting what seniors will pay out of pocket for their drugs. So, Caitlin, this is a lot of a bill text that you're going through that you just got. What are you going to be looking for? What questions do you have? At the end of the day, I think what matters most here is how this will affect what people pay for their drugs you know, especially seniors, people who are diabetic and need insulin, and those insulin costs are going to be capped. 
there will be people, especially people who, who take really expensive drugs, who benefit immensely from this. But I am eager to see what experts say kind of the more comprehensive set of implications are. Axios Healthcare reporter Caitlin Owens. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. Before we go today. More than a billion people around the world are celebrating the South Asian holiday of Diwali today, as captured by one YouTuber in India. The multi-day festival, a celebration of light over darkness, is practiced by Hindus, Jains, Sikhs, and Buddhist communities. But the number of fireworks set off for the holiday has often caused severe air pollution problems in India. Last year, even though there was a ban on fireworks, Delhi suffered some of its poorest air quality days ever during this time. So this year, there's another ban and increasing calls to celebrate a green Diwali without fireworks, reusing decorations, and giving plants as gifts. That's it for us today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Each week, the New Yorker Radio Hour unpacks what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers on topics including race and justice, American history, challenges to democracy, climate change, and more. To get context behind events on the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.